0: Welcome to the My Mind Podcast, where I speak to creators, entrepreneurs and experts in the field about concepts and topics that don't only intrigue me but adds a sense of purpose and value to everyday life. I am Naka, your host on the Expand Mind Podcast, and in this episode I speak to Paul Millard. Paul is an author of the Pathless Path, freelancer, coach and digital creator. If you would like to find out more about Paul and his work, listen to this episode completely or view his website, thinkboundless.com. You can also subscribe to his newsletter, link in the video or podcast description below. I'm going to begin with a little bit of an unorthodox start, Uh, but before before the audience hears your journey. uh, Paul, can you describe to us what is the default path and what is the pathless path?
1: I think that's a good place to start. I think um, the default path, as I describe it, is so I take this idea, the pathless path, and I pair it against the default path. And the default path is the cultural script most of us grow up with. We grow up with this idea that do these certain set of things and you will be seen as a good person or this is like what a normal person does. go to school, get good grades, get a job, get a house, get married, Mm. right? Um, That's the default path. Everyone has a slightly different version of that in different countries, but can more or less tell you without thinking what that is. Yes. Um, The pathless path is my book name, of course, but it's also a several-year journey of trying to figure out a different way forward that is not the default path. Right. I think the thing that was challenging for me was that I basically just didn't want to work full time for the rest of my life. I had a sense that there were emergent new possibilities for structuring work and that it was worth trying to experiment with that and trying to find a new way. Along the way, I kind of discovered I went through my own shift of like cynicism to optimism and like wanting to escape work towards only thinking about what is the work that brings me alive and how am I willing to build a life and pay the costs um, around it to make that happen. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Paul, I'm going to shift the conversational floor back to you right after this question. Um, But will you be able to tell us your remarkable yet life-changing story uh, from being a young person who was interested in tech uh, to being in the default working pathway uh, in consulting and now the pathless path where you're a freelance consultant and you have meaningful work. Give us a go.
1: One of the reasons I wrote the book is that it never felt like life-changing as you were saying at the beginning. Mm. Um, It was always a slow sort of fumbling forward, small experiments, small waking up, steps backwards, um, et cetera. I think one thing that's interesting about my path is I didn't have enormous parental pressure to like, you need to be successful to get our love. Wasn't the case. I grew up in a house with a lot of love, uh, huge family, extended family, a lot of people around me supporting me. In college, I sort of um, absorbed the idea that I should pursue these prestigious paths. And I think what was really happening at the time is I was... I knew I was capable of doing hard things, but um, I was also extremely uncertain, right? Just being a young man, like not knowing how to express emotions, being uncertain about like entering the real world. And what I was doing is trying to um, fill that uncertainty and anxiety of life, which most people experience with pursuing the certainty that um, prestigious career paths um, promise. And for the most part, the first few years of that were awesome. Uh, when I broke into strategy consulting, I loved my first few years in the industry. Um, however, over time, uh, that path, that world, and my peers are all centered around um, work as the primary organizing principle of their life. Yeah. Work is primal. You decide where you live based on where you work, uh, how much money you make because of that job, and... Um, hang out with people based on like making similar money and doing similar things. Um, And it's, it was being nudged to learn things about like learning to fit into an organization, learning how to like talk a certain way and act a certain way. And at it, it was just like too much. And I had a hunch that like something was wrong. I didn't know a new way forward, but that was kind of what encouraged me to quit. Uh, my job about five years ago and uh, venture off to try and find a new
0: path a lot of people think about money as like the primal of success so you went from a two hundred thousand dollar job paying paying job uh, that allowed you to interact with CEOs brush your shoulders with them and you ultimately ultimately went to a path of okay I'm gonna become a freelance writer I'm gonna do what I want Um, and what are your parents' views? Because in today's world that it's like maybe 17 or 18 year old, you tell your parents that you want to become a YouTuber, you want to run an online business, and you don't want to get a degree. You get the looks from everybody, and you're getting told off from that point in time. So what are your parents' views?
1: If you've read the book, I mean, in the intro, they didn't go to college. Um, and I think part of their American dream was like creating a foundation such that we, me and my siblings could go to college. We all did. And, um, it's really cool to, to know that like we did that and my parents helped play a big part in that. Mm. I think I didn't realize there were these implicit assumptions until I stepped off the path. Um, and this is a broader thing is like when you're doing whatever else is doing, nobody asks you, why are you doing this? Mm. As soon as you step off that path, people are like, "Why? Why are you doing this? Why don't you just get a normal job? Aren't you afraid of this?" And, and people start mapping all their fears onto your life. Um, so by the time I quit, I was like very confident this was the path for me. Um, I was very surprised to find that like how uncomfortable other people were with me taking this path. Um, yeah, my parents have always been supportive, but think they didn't really understand what I was doing. Yeah. I think if they had to admit it, they probably think it was like pretty stupid and silly what I was doing in the first few years of my journey. Mm-hmm. I think since they've seen me like come alive and be energized and be like pretty happy doing this and starting to realize that like their fears of um, not having certainty are not mine. <laughs> Yes. Right. And I think a lot of people make that mistake. I'll have people talk to me. And I think a lot of people have this idea that, like, I should do my own thing. I should carve my own path. And then they'll talk to me and they'll say, Well, don't you worry about X. Don't you worry about Y. It's like, No, those are your worries.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're mapping them onto me. Yes. Because you're afraid. Um, was I afraid of certain things when I left? Sure. But they were worth worth the uh cost of admission.
0: Yeah, and and you I think you've onto my next question in where people judge you, um but what sort of advice would you give to the young people of today who yes, I look at myself and I say, Yes, I still want to go to university. I I've always believed in university and so forth and I want to satisfy my curiosity in science. So I need to go to university and satisfy that curiosity because that's like this the growing itch at the back of my mind. Uh, but the people who want to take that step already from this young age and they're like, Okay, we unsure if we want to go to university, we want to trial the waters out on on the internet, for example, with the broad category of things that you can do. What sort of advice could you give them to embracing this pathless
1: path from the beginning? I think it's a journey of self-reflection and figuring out what do you really want. Uh, When you're desiring something, is that somebody else's desires, right? This is just... Mimetic desire most of what we want is what other people want and we see other what other people want and we map that and we assume That's what we want. Oh, everyone's going for consulting. I guess I should just apply for consulting um, Oh, I want this coat. Oh, why do you want that coat? Everyone else has that coat <laughs> um, so uh, Understanding like how we work can be really helpful um i think one thing that's challenging for your generation is that the visibility of these paths is um exponentially larger than it was when i was graduating college like i didn't have instagram i didn't have podcasts i didn't have all these things um i had this like narrow like basically you have to work and like i wasn't even thinking of anything else so in some ways like Some ways I'm jealous of um, younger people now, but I'm also like, I don't know how I would have handled it. I think I was not mature and self-reflective enough at the college age to like take my own path at all. I wasn't confident enough. That's why it took me 10 years to leave. Um, Looking back, I wish I had like pushed that a little more, maybe left after a few years, but it was still helpful like working in the real world. I've talked to a number of um, people who have worked for themselves, dropped out of college, and there's always a sort of sadness that um, um, I wish I had like at least done a few years in the corporate world or something like that. So if I had to say one thing, it's like if you are going to embrace an unconventional path you will likely not want to reverse that. You will likely not want to go back to like the default path. Or if you've like figured out a way to like cover your cost of living on a freelance path, you're not going to want to go back and get a full-time job because the space and opportunity costs in your life is so high. Um, Which is why like, I think it's almost pragmatic to like follow that path early on and Like, learn how institutions work. Try to find a place where you can work with great people that push you. Um, And, yeah, build some savings, too. Um, But curiosity is independent of where you work. Um, A full-time job is not an identity. It's not a personality, right? And I think the key thing there is basically just lean into the internet, like lean into all the opportunities we have in the world. You can learn anything. I was learning how to do video editing yesterday. It's like such an amazing world we live in. Like this whole meme of don't go to college is silly. Like it's still one of the best places to meet other curious people. And there's usually enough people that you can find great people around you. Um, in creating this podcast, did you find it like fun? I did. Um, I'm having a ball. Yeah. So that like, I mean, you're, you probably like read my book and you're like, Oh, Paul's so much wiser than me, smarter than me. It's like, you're totally wrong at your age. Like I had no clue what was going on. I was not self-reflective. I did not have the wisdom that you have now. So you're like far ahead of me. Um, which is a, A burden too because like you are (laughs) self-aware yes like my naivety like enabled me to like kind of go on a path where i was able to like earn decent money to like give myself an off-ramp like i didn't earn enough to like retire um i still have to work and like figure out how to make money Hmm. um but but i think like the important thing is to pay attention to that feeling okay i'm having fun if From what I've seen over and over, talking to tons of people, if that like, oh, I'm having fun doing this Mm -hmm. disappears or you stop doing the podcast or other stuff, that should be the red flag, Mm -hmm. right? And then you step back and say, okay, what in my environment is undermining my creative energy? Yes. Because that creative energy will pull you forward towards things worth doing. Yes. Now, I don't know if you can make money doing a podcast. I don't know if you can make money doing any of those things. But if that energy dies to people that feel like they need to create, do things, connect with other people, it can feel terrible when that energy disappears. Yes. And I think that's what happened to me is like I had all this creative playfulness. I had from like playing at computers and making web pages when I was younger that sort of just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, and my current journey has been like, oh, how do I reawaken that? Also the, one of the major questions that I was going
0: through when I was reading a book is money. It's like the ultimate determiner of everything that we do today. It's yeah, but you left the secure job. Uh, you left the default path, which offered you certainty, a good paying, uh, a 401k retirement plan and so forth, uh, to embrace a, a path that you don't know if you have a steady income if that's correct um paul you can definitely correct me i'm not on i don't know i don't have that experience but uh that uncertainty how did you deal with it
1: yeah it's really hard and it feels terrible (laughs) 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 thank you for being honest that's the short answer um i haven't had a steady income and i'm constantly dealing with financial insecurity and being afraid and um I see some of my like business school classmates like buying basically really nice homes and really cool places. And I'm like, am I an idiot? Am I stupid for doing this? Um, and then I just kind of check in with myself and say like, Oh, I'm actually like really happy. I feel connected to myself in a way I didn't before. Um, maybe i could lean back in the direction of like wanting to make money more but um i really like this like slow and steady journey i'm on i i feel like i'm in like a completely different career like the first 10 years after college feel like an alien to me like i, I don't know who that person was and like i feel like i'm starting over from scratch and so I mean, I I share my income in multiple places, but like the first five years, it was like 40 grand, then I stopped freelancing, then it was 20 grand, then it was 30 grand, then it was 40 grand, then last year it was like slightly more. Um, so I'm starting to like build momentum, um, but if I calculate, I've probably missed out over the past five years in like a million dollars of income. <laughs> Okay, which pro- and which would have feel? like solved like, my financial problems forever. But like, for me, it's not worth it. Like the creative space and time I've had over the past years is worth way more than that at a like spiritual level. Okay.
0: I, and, and I think that's a very vital point that you brought up uh, mentally. I'm formulating and I'm coming on with it as that you chose your happiness over money. Uh, and most people of today, uh, especially how we, um, how we, how we think or work, especially when we're at school, is like, oh, I'm gonna become a doctor because I'm gonna earn a six-figure sal- salary. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, uh, yeah. It's buying that fancy house, fancy car, having a Ferrari in the garage, um, having two kids. Yeah, and, and that's the mentality everybody has. Um, I think it was in your book you named it the achievement narrative, where you're constantly chasing. Um, your success it's like something's never enough and that's where i think you've mastered it i don't know if you mastered it Paul, uh, but you, you sound like a person of self-reflection and you are probably a person of self-reflection and so forth but how did you actually overcome that that thought of okay um i'm happy where enough is enough i'm happy where i am where did where did that how do you actually achieve that
1: I think it's hard. I think um, one thing I read about is that I think a lot of people want to, like, escape the pressures of the default path. You can never really do that. It's very, um, I'm very aware at all points that I'm living in a world dominated by the default path and that kind of thinking. So, like, almost all the time people are like, don't you worry about X? Don't you want this? Don't you want this? Don't you think this should? your life should go like this. Right. Um, so I'm constantly reminded that like, Oh, this is how everyone else thinks. I think a couple things is, um, one, just like relentlessly reflecting on what I really want and then trying to line my up life up like that. And then experimenting. Uh, I think two, have found a partner, my wife who is like very much aligned, um, with what I'm see- with like what I want as well. Um, So like I have that um, approval, at least at the local level. Um, Mm. And yeah, it's hard. Um, I still doubt myself, but I am just like very content. I think we almost gaslight ourselves. Um, Mm. There's this chronic self gaslighting of people who have reached some success. It's like, I know I shouldn't complain because I have a good job. It's like, nope, you're human. You're allowed to complain and (laughs) you're allowed to experience suffering. Like it's that distancing, which is like, Oh, I'm not allowed to feel these things because I have X, um, which makes people blind to like what they really want. Right.
0: Mm. Yeah. And and uh, I think you brought up another important point uh, about having a supportive partner. And Paul, be free, um, free, uh, you free to tell me to get lost in another way. Um, but how important has your wife been in your journey um, on on the pathless path? Like, is it important that you have that motivation and support system? Uh, do you think you wouldn't you would have still been on the pathless path if you had somebody that did not? Uh, embrace your spirit
1: so i i didn't go searching for that right when i when I left my job, I was single <laughs> I met her in a time when I was like leaning into the uncertainty <laughs> and I was really i i basically met her at the moment when I was like really stepping into like what if I really just like own this uncertainty and not knowing what I was doing i wasn't earning money at the time like I had like shifted away from freelancing I couldn't find work because I was working abroad I was very insecure about money it was like cutting my costs and like I met her at that time and I was telling her why I was doing these things and she was like instantly on board (laughs) like we just saw the world in a similar way so like that is definitely reassuring um She likes to deny credit. Um, But I think meeting her gave me a like strong foundation to actually shift away from like this naive. um, I'm just going to extend my runway as long as possible and just kind of like float towards like, okay, I'm going to like commit to things. After I met her, I started like building and creating much more consistently Um, writing creating my online course and within that next year like all my stuff started to take off so I think there is something to like that foundation of finding others but you can also like I write about this just like finding the others who are on a similar journey asking similar questions is vital so you can find those through the internet you can find them through reading books about people who are thinking in similar ways For me, early on, it was like Seth Godin, Tim Ferriss, people like that. Um, Later, people like Rebecca Solnit, uh, Rolf Potts, um, David White. Um, And just like knowing these other people exist can be a relief. I think finding them in real life is really important too. One of my friends, Johnny Miller, early on in my journey was just like, we're just at a similar point asking similar questions. And it was like, Oh, thank God you exist. <laughs> um, and that stuff was so powerful.
0: When I look at it, I think I procrastinated, procrastinated a lot with that idea that I, I, I joined LinkedIn and I started having this community of people. Um, I think I met Joe Webb. Uh, he authored a book also as well. Um, and he actually is like a source of like encouragement, like, uh, giving resources and so forth. Besides that, meeting guests like yourself, Paul and Hassan Kuba and so forth, other guests that have come onto the podcast. Um, I, I think I've come around that and they've, you guys shared insight with me and I take insight as like the biggest thing, like feedback, insight, anything that like, I have a hunger for curiosity. So learning from you guys is like, oh, all of a sudden I get that creative boost. Like I want to do it again and again and again. And hence why, I can actually have a podcast episode tomorrow, which I actually do. I have another podcast episode recording and I will thoroughly enjoy it because I've spoken to somebody today. What more? Can, can, how much more curiosity can I have? Um, and on the path of procrastination or, or on the topic of procrastination, you know, when you're moving from job to job, was there, would you consider that procrastination in, in your mind?
1: Yeah, I, I was chasing this idea of Once I find the perfect job, I'll be set. Um, Mm -hmm. I was living in the future. I was just not living. I was procrastinating living in the present. So yeah, it's definitely a form of procrastination. I think we all have a sense of like the questions we need to ask. Um, And for a large part, we're just scared to ask them.
0: Yeah, uh, I can partially agree to that, but. Also, also not agree to it. Uh, I haven't experienced the job world um, like you have, Paul. Um, but you, I would I would consider that the job move, uh, moving from job to job bad procrastination in a way that you were always seeking out um, living in that future that okay something will come along and I will fit into it. Um, and I, th- I think many people. Th- I could also be struggling with this, but how do you differentiate between good procrastination? Because there is such a thing as good procrastination, especially when it comes to buying habits. Like, do I really need this? And bad procrastination. Am I actually finding meaning
1: in my job or am I just going to live in the future all my life? So how do we do that? I think, so like even your question, you're trying to live in the future. You're worried about like your life after college. Just, exist in the present yeah. <laughs> F- figure out how to jo- enjoy college <laughs> find things you like doing find people you like being around and like just focus on that like the rest will take care of itself um you're already asking deeper questions than most people your age
0: uh, i i get that quite a lot
1: right uh, even at school like but th- but that's that's fine like this is also the power of the internet you can find other okay. people who are asking similar questions or, or role models? So,
0: that, that we, we speak about um, finding some similar people. Um, so, Paul, I've, I've endeavored on this, like, this, like, okay, I'm gonna call email people, and if they get back to me, hey, I can sp- actually speak to them on a podcast. Um, uh, and yeah. what about those people that, yeah, they don't wanna start a podcast, but they want to join a group of people or interact with a group of people? Where, do they, where, where can they start?
1: Yeah, I I think one of the smallest things people can do is basically just host an event or host a dinner. Pick a topic you want to talk about, invite like three people, and just have Mm -hmm. like a small gathering. (laughs) And I think doing something like that can basically just tap somebody into doing something spontaneous and seeing themselves as like somebody worth offering something everyone's waiting for other people to do stuff once you realize this you can just start doing stuff like everyone's basically just sitting there waiting for other people to give them invitations to do stuff like you by like with a podcast right like a, a lot of people think like the way we think about the world is that we need to be chosen. We need to be given permission. We need to get the job doing the thing before we do the thing. You eventually got to the point where it's like, Oh, I can just start a podcast. There's nothing stopping you. All you need is like a 50 to a hundred dollar mic. Yes. And then you can Uh, just publish it for free to the entire world.
0: True. Um, And also, I, I think another path um, that I can actually add on to that path there um, is that I found I, I wanted to seek meaning in my content. I was like, I want to give the world some meaning in what I do. Uh, so, uh, not necessarily, I, I wanted to like have that at the back of my mind. It's like, yes, I'm actually doing something that can help other people, and I've always had that at the at the core of my values. Like. Um, give freely take from none. Uh, that was like, I learned that at like, a, uh, some, some sort of like religious event is like, I should like that. I don't need to have it in part of my principles. So I'm just giving it I was like, it's for free by all means. Um, if I benefit in some ways, connect with people, Hey, all the better. So yeah, that's kind of like my view on the podcast at the moment.
1: Yeah. I think having expectations can be tricky. If you're expecting to, like, change people or get something for your creation, Mm -mm. it sets up a trap, right? Um, Yeah. I, when I wrote my book, it was because I had a hunch I really like writing and I thought the message mattered and I thought it was worth sharing. I didn't expect, I didn't write it with, I want to change people or I want people to um, join me. Was I open to receiving that if it happened? Sure. But like I didn't write for that, which has made the like launch process pretty cool because like my expectation was like, I just wanted to publish it. So like anyone who buys it and then hearing people who've like randomly stumbled upon it, um, like you is like, Oh wow, this is like really cool. It's beyond my expectations. Um, yes. But you're capable of this too. Like you could easily yeah. write a book in your future.
0: Uh, I don't know, Paul. Have you have you ever read the book The Sharing Economy? Um, you spoke uh, you spoke about like understanding how the world works, and I've also read uh, I've read the book The Sharing Economy by Kevin Govender. Um, brilliant book. Uh, uh, if you get a chance, please read that book. It it talks about like. It's a little bit of a financial book, like how the world is working, and has a little bit of more South African context than anything else. Uh, but uh, how the world works and so forth, and you speak about how how the world is transitioning and taking advice from people like that are over fifty. Uh, do they really understand? Uh, I can take my 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 mom's kind of in the world of tech, so uh, I'm glad for that. But my dad is a little bit still old-fashioned, uh, so I, I kind of agree to a certain degree that there's, yes, there's some people that kind of understand, like, I got my grandfather that can watch YouTube, and if he's watching YouTube, he's ha- he has, like, so much of passion in watching YouTube, that if somebody's calling him, he swipes out the phone call, I was like, what, what why are you doing that? um And he's like, no, because I'm watching YouTube. I'm like, okay, by all means. And yes, the, the, the generation that is 50 and above, they still have that mentality of You need to get a job. You'll be secure in that job. You'll have certainty in that job and you'll be able to sustain a family. That's their mentality. Whereas our our generation has changed that mentality. It's like, yes, we still need a job, but at the same point, um, this is how my thinking is currently. I still want to embrace my curiosity, fulfill it and experiment. Experimenting is my ultimate thing. It's going to only fulfill my curiosity. That little bit of like, Teeny little itch in you, so yeah, and that's where I come to your breaking point. Understanding when your breaking point comes. Um, when did that breaking point come for you, uh, from you, uh, Paul? Like in terms of like, okay, I'm done with this job. Um, I'm. You guys can go all get effed. In an in in other words, because I I want to, I want to embrace my creator
1: spirit. So I think even that story is something people imagine happens it wasn't like that like my story is a slow waking up small experiments questions that were seated in my mind um, and just more time on my path Um, basically I was like upset at my manager but like I had annoying managers for years Mm -hmm. I had reached a point where like the upsides of remaining on my path just weren't there anymore and I talk about this equation of trading certain discomfort uh, my job kind of sucks for uncertain discomfort. People are terrified of uncertain discomfort. It could be terrible, right? What if What if all these bad things happen? Our brains work this way, right? But the possibilities of like my life had been like, there was this seed of, like excitement, and like, what if? What if I find a better path? What if being a freelancer is better? What if all these things? And I needed to find out. That was kind of what pulled me towards that path, right? And I think for some people, like following what everyone else is doing will make them happy. You're probably not like them. Yeah, um, I can agree. Like the sooner you realize that, like, the sooner you can figure out how to, like, make the system work for you, right? If people are telling you, you should do what I did, they're not caring about you. Mm. Like, they're not, like, trying to figure out who you are, right? They're projecting their own fears of not fitting in onto you. Yes. Right? And it's not, like... Like this is a really hard thing for like people on unconventional paths. Like, this is why I wrote the chapter. Like, will your, will the people in your life love you less? The yeah. fact is, over and over again. Like, I talk to people all around the world, all income and all like, um, family backgrounds, all cultural backgrounds. There is a certain type of person that is pulled towards doing things their own way. Um. Some of them take these unconventional paths and the people in their life disapprove of them and that is so painful and it really sucks but for them it's still worth it because they don't yeah. have any other choice and like luckily we live in a world in which you're not going to be like tossed out of society and shamed into oblivion yeah. it just might feel kind of bad for a while
0: I, I like uh, especially in my context, I like to think of myself as the black sheep. I don't know if you like to think of yourself as that. Uh, I take it as a common you're, you're the black sheep of your family. I was like, okay, whatever. Um, but I I, I came around the concept of burnout. Everybody warns me of it. Um, and Paul, I think you went through it and yeah. through some point, point of it. Um, and, and that's why I like to think of myself as the black sheep. I was like, I'm number one I'm not going to go through burnout because I found meaning in what I do uh I'm doing what I actually love so if I'm going to work through the night and do a all nighter I'm actually doing something I love um that's my my first thing am I doing something I love and I have taken it out I have like a poster now that I just created from your like guidelines out of from your book uh so implicit meanings that I've took wow. an, taken 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 damn uh taken out from your book Paul but I've created that and is it going to give me meaning in life is it going to make me happy those are the first two questions i ask ask from anything i do um and i actually pursue um and i don't know if you can reflect what what does burnout feel like because i don't think i can relate to it or yeah. the,
1: the people who don't Maybe know you
0: can. so if you can give us a view
1: i think there's a few different definitions of burnout. There's the burnout of like just working yourself to oblivion, right? Just doing way too much stuff. Like you're spending, it could be for anything. Like you're studying for a test, working on a project and you just spend way too much time and you're just exhausted and depleted. Um, I think most people are familiar with that kind of burnout. It's pretty obvious when it happens and why it happens. I think, the more confusing type of burnout is when you're disconnected from what matters to you. And the reason it's so hard to spot is because you can often experience it while not working that hard. So like I experienced burnout in my last job and I was not working more than like 30 to 40 hours a week. I had this idea that like, Oh, I kind of like this, I'm not connected to what I'm doing. This isn't exciting, but like, I'm not working that long so I can sustain this. The reality is I was experiencing this low grade, subtle burnout and that builds over time. And for me, it just led to this like disconnect where I was like basically living a life doing nothing I thought mattered. I I was doing some small experiments and that was the only stuff I was excited about, like the writing on the side, but I wasn't doing that much of it. I was basically spending all my time like going to this job, which was like, I don't value this. I'm working with people I don't uh, like. I'm not inspired by like, what am I doing? And I didn't realize it until actually leaving. Like I wrote about this, like the day after I left, I was like writing and like the word just came out and I'm like, oh, that's what I've been feeling over the last six months. And it's this like malaise of like, disconnectedness from the world you're going through life as if it's a blur and it's it's awful and after experiencing that like i don't want to experience that anymore so like it raises the stakes to compete more intensely doing the things i claim to care about so i claim to care about x i'm going to try to do x then reflect on okay am i feeling connected to the world and myself OK, yes, uh, I'm going to keep leaning into those. But it's like I don't want to go back to that previous yeah. state.
0: Yeah. Uh, and and that also, so in the default path, um, we told to have a lifestyle around work and revolve, make it revolve around work. Um, and you can probably agree with that, Paul. But you do have that you, you're most susceptible to burnout during the default path. Um, is it possible Maybe, to also for some have some people? People burn some... out
1: on my path too. Yeah, um, that was actually
0: what I was gonna just gonna ask. Um, yeah, I,
1: I think like self-employment is almost more susceptible to burnout because there are no limits. Um there are infinite possibilities of things you can work on. And if you're going into it with like this idea that like I need to be a creator, I need to be a podcaster, I need to be a YouTuber, you're basically doing the same thing I was doing on the default path, which is like trying to be a successful person. You're just defining it more narrowly. Um, And nobody's constraining how much work you do or how you define your success. So it's easy to like opt into what you see other people doing. And then basically like, oh, I need to be a successful podcaster. And all of a sudden you're just working like a maniac and like, you're not having the results and like, you're starting to spend all your time on promotion and marketing and like you hate marketing (laughs) and you're like doing all these things you hate. Right. So I think for me on this path, like I didn't want to experience burnout again. So I've been very slow and methodical. My podcast is not successful. Mm -hmm. I've grown it very slowly. (laughs) I don't promote it. Um, I talk only to people I'm excited to talk about. Um, I don't aim for like, oh, I need big names in my podcast Um, because the first five episodes were just a test and I wanted to figure out if I wanted to do more. What I learned in those first five were like, oh, I like interviewing people. I like talking to people too and connecting with them. I'm going to just keep doing it with those two goals and that's it.
0: Mm. Uh, Yeah, I I I think my view on podcasting has... Came about when I was through a walk, Paul. Ironically, I was like uh, just taking a walk of self reflection, or I don't know if you know it's a walk of self reflection or shame, either one. But (laughs) I I took a walk in the estate, and when when I came about it, it came about the idea of let's do a podcast. It's going to be the best thing that I can do in life. Um, I failed on YouTube. Uh, That was my reasoning. I failed on YouTube. I need to bounce back. That was the first thing I said to myself. I need to bounce back. What can I do? And I was like, let's try a podcast. Uh, It's going to be a good thing. And the podcast was born, the Expandable Mind podcast. Um, And Expandable is because we're always curious. I want to be curious. So I'm going to expand my mind. I'm always going to be learning from other people.
1: And that's cool. Is that enough? Is that enough, though? Do you need it to be successful or make money?
0: I think the the ultimate goal is to give meaning, uh, and I don't know exactly if money is my top priority. Yes, at the back of my mind, yes, I am paying for Riverside as a service, so yes, I need to sustain the podcast in a way uh, to create really good quant- uh, content. So my my philosophy, and when I was I had a, per- a personal trainer, um, our our motto was uh, quality over quantity. So. I will give you the most amount of, uh, give you the quality content that you look for. Um, but I'm not going to re- revolve around making a thousand dollars or something like that. I'm, I want to give you the quali- uh, quality for something that somebody else will charge you for uh, because I'm just that type of person. So that's my but ultimate goal. How are you going to know you get that? I really don't know. I haven't actually thought of it in that way. And I'm thinking about it now as we speak, uh, Paul, that how will I actually know if I get that? And maybe you could help me out with that. How will I actually know?
1: I don't know. Nobody gives me feedback on my podcast, really. I don't hear much feedback. So, like, what I'm saying is, like, I think you need to be very careful of, like, having these expectations of doing something for something. Um, mm-hmm. you need to define what's enough that, uh, um, and yeah. define it very clearly. And if you want stuff, if you want your podcast to give you certain things, you need to be willing to pay the cost for that. You need to be willing to pay the cost for like it potentially not happening and like feeling bad about that. Or you need to be willing to pay the cost to like do things you might not want to do to get what you claim to want, but it's all a test yeah. and you just need to test these things
0: yeah so I've always thought of like the podcast is my front of for my business at the end of the day, so the expand mind is like the the ultimate business, and then the podcast is just the front, so I thought of it as a test if it works out hey all 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 good but what does um, works out mean um in terms of like um the podcast has an audience, it's able to um get feedback in a way uh again. I did not define what enough was and I'm realizing that now, um, through speaking with you, I haven't defined what enough is because will I ever know? Um,
1: but, but you can, I mean, you can just define that as like things that matter to you. Oh, I'm having meaningful conversations and I learned something. Are is that enough? Do I want to keep doing that? Maybe. Yeah.
0: Um, but like, yes, I do want to keep on doing that. Uh, so I want to carry on making more connections. I want to have, carry on speaking to people, um, curious minds, just like myself. Um, I want, I want to do, I want to make some money at the end of this year. Um, I also um, a goal in mind. Um, nice. So yeah, that, that's, I think we have just defined my enough now. Yeah. I mean,
1: way. that's so like, that's actually much higher than my aims of my own podcast like i i would not want to like define success as like making money because i don't know how to make money with podcasts yet and like i don't know how to grow it without sacrificing things i don't want to do um okay so like yeah that would scare the crap out of me if those were my (laughs) goals for me it's Um, just like meaningful conversations and that's enough yeah Uh,
0: uh you I, th- I think one of the one of the things is that i want to have this when i'm in university also i want to have these conversations uh nice. and it must be on my own strength so yes i have received i've asked um uh, a philanthropic arm of a, of an organization crimson youth fund for a, for a portion of money to help me out with like starting this up and so forth um because i wanted to have quality content uh, i wanted to invest in quality tools to help me produce this content so zoom lags and so forth yeah. so riverside actually gives me the best uh, quality and i've yeah. been editing my podcast so something i've been learning myself audio editing um and which is great cool. um uh, is so that enough that, that, just
1: to be learning
0: i i I enjoy video editing way more when I was creating YouTube videos I enjoyed video editing. I even bought Final Cut Pro I've been editing the 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 podcast video episodes on it, but it's it's not the same as creating a YouTube video so uh, I do not have video editing skills but audio editing is not my favorite I've been learning it because uh it's not like the, on top of my list, not 100%. Like, oh, it's gonna give me the ultimate satisfaction. I can't sit all, all night just like thinking about doing audio editing. No, um, and, and that's that's actually where I come to where I come to think about yes, burnout in the same point where you are speaking about on the def, uh, on the pathless path that, or the unconventional path that yes, you are susceptible to um, burnout because you don't know the constraints uh, or your limits. Um, and I would like to wonder or or ask you, how have you created a balanced mental and physical lifestyle in which you I don't know if you can say you limit the option or prevent yourself from burning out.
1: I just try to constantly reflect on what I claim to want, test it and see how it feels and then make adjustments.
0: Okay. And... How do you reflect, Paul? Like, how does one get started? Because I, I'm a person of self-reflection. You're a person of self-reflection. So something we can both relate on. Uh, but my way is taking a walk. And sometimes I'd like to think of a walk of shame. But at the same time, it's to reflect on my actions. Because sometimes your actual actions are actually shameful. Sometimes you scream at the wrong people because you weren't happy with something in that point of time because you did it wrong. And so I think of it sometimes a walk of shame or walk of self-reflection. How do you self-reflect, Paul?
1: Yeah, I I think also, like, I think I write about this in the book. Like, I would almost reframe that shame as, like, guilt. Like, and the guilt Mm. is, like, oh, I want to do better. I want to be a better person. Um, Shame is, like, doesn't have an end point. It's basically, like, I am a bad person. Mm. And it can just make you feel terrible and tend you to, like, do... um, things you don't want to do. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. self reflect Yeah. yeah, Walking, uh, writing is my biggest mode. Um, I often like, if I discover reflection exercises, I like doing them like Tim Ferriss's fear setting in grad school. I wrote like this essay of like, what do I want to be as a leader? Um, and I'm always just trying to do these things, designing your life. Um, uh, five-year plans I've done, um, values, exercises, all sorts of stuff.
0: And now we come to the final topic, Paul, because I think I'm I'm, I've exhausted you for questions today <laughs> on my path. Um, but taking risks, um, you left a job. Um, and as you stated before, it was a thing that was slowly progressing. It was coming over time. It wasn't an immediate thing, so that fantasy from Hollywood movies that come in that they just quit their job, and all of a sudden, next day they're building a business. Uh, it was it was not that. Um, you le- you took that risk and you d- you had uncertainty, uh, a lot of it for people who, who want to embrace that. Okay. I'm going to, I want to take a risk. Um, how do you suggest that they do it?
1: Testing. <laughs> Testing. Um, okay. yeah, it's, if you want to like quit your job and be a freelancer, um, Take a freelance client before you quit your job and see how it feels. See if you like it. Um, Ultimately, you can never fully know until you step into it. But most decisions in today's world are reversible. You don't have to go all in. Um, If you want to travel full time, you can do a one month experiment and see if you Mm -hmm. like traveling for a month. And that will give you most of the information about what to do next. I think people look at everything as an all or nothing decision. Um, and it's just, it's a lie we tell ourselves.
0: Okay. Um, Paul, I've exhausted all my questions for today with awesome. you. Um, I've really enjoyed talking to you, reflecting with you. Um, I thank you for asking questions uh, that made me think as well. Um. But before we end off, we have the traditional expandable mind rapid fire questions, and you can either answer this in one word or one sentence. But, or, but there's maybe one or two that can be answered in more, but expand as much as you like. Um, so rapid fire question number one, tell us about three of the most influential people in your life and how they've impacted you.
1: Three. Wow. I, I think, uh, my grandfather for sure, he like. I've only known him up ap- until after he retired, but he really, um, put family first and like built his life around that. And, uh, that definitely inspired me. Um, I think my mother is just somebody that has always served other people and looked to help other people, um, and put that first in her life. Um, and then third, I might say like somebody like Seth Godin, uh, I think, and I think the theme in these is people putting things other than work primal in their life. Um, I think Seth Godin putting creativity, um, and protecting that energy in his life first is really inspiring for me.
0: Okay. Uh, question number two, if you could go back to your 18 year old self, one piece of advice, what would it be? Yeah,
1: I would not give myself the advice to go on the pathless path sooner. I would tell myself to write, Okay. And that's it. I would say lean into writing. Okay. And because I think it's not about like it's not about quitting your job or not quitting. It's about finding that stuff worth doing. And writing was something that, if I look back, it, I'd done it a few times for fun in college, but not enough. I wish I had like cultivated that earlier. Like just mm-hmm. write. That would be my takeaway. And like the writing will lead me to the other things maybe sooner maybe not maybe different paths but like i don't know i i liked working and consulting early in my career those two years at McKinsey were incredible i loved it um but yeah i wish i had started writing earlier okay writing um my
0: mistake um but uh, I really thought that would be the possible uh, path
1: from early on. Um, no, I wasn't I, ready. I, really... I, I was not as mature as you were, not even close. <laughs> I, I I'm have a serious. Lot like, I, I didn't have the wisdom. I was very naive. I was very insecure, not very self-reflective, um, very mm-hmm. scared of the world. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think I'm, I'm going to endeavor on
0: the pathless path as yet. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of doing it. I'm testing the waters with yeah, this podcast. Test. Um, I'm testing first before I'm heading on to it. Uh, next question. If you could have a cup of coffee, whatever you prefer, cup of coffee or tea, Paul? Coffee. Coffee. coffee uh, right with here. any historical figure, who would you choose? Oh, um,
1: historical figure? I don't know it'd probably be like some family member like a great great grandparent I never met it'd okay. just be it'd just be cool to like meet some of them
0: okay then you're the first person that
1: actually 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 wants to meet their own like great great grandparent I just yeah I don't really care about like famous people <laughs> okay even like <laughs> that- living like I'm friends with people who do have some like fame now, but I only like them because they're like hyper curious. (laughs) It's not about like, I don't know. Fame is overrated. Gotcha. Um,
0: What's your biggest failure and what did you learn from the experience?
1: I think my biggest failure... So like, I think when I was younger, I just like failed to like self reflect and like ask these harder questions. And okay. I think that probably came out in me being cynical, me being like not the greatest person to people in my life, um, or as early as I could be, right? Um, yes. but yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, I could come up with like surface level stories of like business failure, but like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's so dependent on your environment.
0: It makes sense. Yeah. And last question, Paul, and then you, and then I'm completely finished. And if you have any questions for me, I'll be able to answer it for you. What is the most important lesson you've learned of your
1: journey? I think that, a better way was possible. (laughs) Like I was right for me that like a better way of structuring my life and orienting my life um, was possible. And I've kind of been blown away with like how much I like my current path. Uh, And I don't think I could have imagined it even when I quit my job five years ago. So that's probably been the coolest lesson. And then the second is just like that, like finding the others is so important. When you're doing things that other people aren't doing, you need to find people doing the same. Otherwise, you're going to go crazy because like, your, your friends, your family, even probably aren't going to like actively support you. And you need active support when you're on an uncertain path. Okay.
0: I like that. And that comes to the end, ladies and gentlemen, of Paul Millett's podcast episode on the pathless path. Um, It's been amazing. Thank you so much, Paul, again, for coming onto the podcast. It honestly was great to chat to you. And thank you for being honest, um, sharing your insight, your journey. And if you'd like to find out more about Paul uh, and his writing and his book and so forth, I will leave links in the description box or the podcast information box below. in which you can either go purchase an amazing book, which I'd highly recommend, just like how I recommended with House and Kubas. Uh, And yeah, thank you so much for listening. Awesome, thanks you, Vaheen. To our listeners out there, thank you for listening. Links that were mentioned during the episode are in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a five-star rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at expandable underscore mind. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.